0: This is one of my favorite times of the year, Thanksgiving, and it's the time when we are all forced to stop and say thank you for what we have, despite the retail stores that wish that we would skip uh, skip Thanksgiving and go to Christmas, right? Much of the country celebrates uh, going out and buying a bunch of presents, but... We celebrate Thanksgiving, and we worship our King. At Grace Bible Church, we started celebrating Thanksgiving a few weeks before the actual holiday every year. We do this for a couple of reasons, uh, so we don't get a turkey overdose. Also, this is our anniversary with the deaf that happened eight years ago, as Mark mentioned. By God's providence, eight years later, we have another church that has joined with us, Fellowship Bible, and we're thankful for that. Uh, We have lots to be thankful for, don't we? Personally, I love starting the celebration of Thanksgiving early. Why? No, it's not because lots of turkey and stuffing, but that can be good too. It's because I get to remind myself to thank the Lord for what He has done. It is good for us to do this. It's like starting the celebration early because it provokes us to praise and thank God for all that He has done, all that He is doing, and all that He will do. The early church didn't celebrate Thanksgiving. You know that's an American, a U.S. uh, holiday. The early church didn't celebrate Thanksgiving once a year. They did it every day. See, the early church knew and understood that Thanksgiving is what it's all about. (laughs) Giving thanks to God for what He has done through Christ. Being thankful is not a normal activity for humanity. Why is this? It's because we all have a sense of entitlement in our fallenness. We are born with that, aren't we? We're born with the idea that I deserve better. And to be thankful means that I have to be satisfied with what I have. We think things like this. We deserve to be treated like kings and queens. We think we are owed kindness. We think we merit blessings. People should show me respect all the time. That's what's going on in the world and in the human heart. So it's contradictory for the human heart to say thank you. For anything, especially to God. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter 1, Paul gives the first evidence of a pagan people when he states in Romans 1, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became few in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So what is the evidence of an unbelieving heart? God, and they don't thank Him. Thankfulness, however, for the believer is different. It's what we do. It's who we are. We're grateful people. Please hear me, beloved. Ingratitude is evidence of a dead heart. Gratitude is evidence of a living heart. If praise and giving thanks to God rarely comes out of your mouths, we're most likely in a very perilous position. We need the Lord. But when God works in our hearts through the gospel, and we come to understand who Christ is and what he's done for us, everything changes. (laughs) We now have thankful hearts. When we are saved, we go from people who think we are owed everything to people who are thankful for anything better than the hell we deserve. This is what believers are all about. Believers give thanks because they, are, they understand grace. They know that it is unmerited favor. Believers give thanks to God because, they have given, because they've been given Christ. The Father gave the Son into the world to die for us. Believers realize who God is and what God has done to save their wretched souls. So gratitude is our new attitude. We who are repented, repentant believers in Christ have countless reasons to be thankful, don't we? And I think if we all started saying, saying thank you right now, and didn't we could probably keep thanking God until Thanksgiving came and still have plenty more to thank him for. What do you think? The debt he paid. Our sin. It was atoned for. As Bob read these words, did they pierce your heart? Did they remind you of what Christ Jesus did for you? The rejection Jesus faced. We have no king but Caesar. The suffering he endured. The mocking he experienced. You know, the more I think about that, I was thinking that this week as I was reflecting back over the cross, I was thinking about they bartered for his clothes, which means he probably hung upon the cross naked or very scantily dressed. What he went through, the shame he endured for me, I have so much to be thankful for. The judgment he endured, the judgment I deserved that he took. I think I could thank Him every day the rest of my life and still not thank Him enough. I need a grateful heart. You need a grateful heart. We have reason to praise the Lord. All of this should cause every one of us to praise and thank God every day for the rest of our lives. Every believer should celebrate Thanksgiving every day. The gratitude was part of The early church. They got it. They knew that they couldn't keep the law. They knew that they deserved judgment. And they knew Jesus was the Savior. And he was worthy of praise and thanks. Continuously. So you think about this. As the early church is celebrating what Christ has done. What do you think happened to the Psalms? Oh I bet they came alive. I bet they jumped off the page to them as they read them and reflected on the glory of God and how He had shown grace to and mercy to Israel, He's now poured out all of this grace on us, including the Gentiles. We've all been blessed with God's grace. And we have reason to thank Him, don't we? I know it's a little warm in here, right? At this point, we might be beginning to think, just like everybody else, wow. A little warm in here man it'd be nicer sitting in a nice cool air-conditioned room and even in our own hearts we might begin to think oh I don't know if I can make this maybe we've for- lost our focus even in that I'm hot up here beloved but I have a Jesus that loves me so much that the hottest I get here on earth is the hottest I'll ever get Praise God, right? This is nothing compared to the hell I deserve. So what do we need to do to avoid falling back into our culture's mindset of entitlement? What do we have to do? Well, here's what we need. We need Psalm 100. We need a call to worship. We need a call to praise. We need to be exhorted to thank God. Sometimes I'm going to use these, you're going to hear them, I'm going to say, you need to thank God. Don't be offended by that if I don't use a plural and I don't say, we need to thank God. We all need to be exhorted to that, don't we? You need to thank God, I need to thank God, we need to thank God, don't we? The psalmist here exhorts the people to thank God, and we need that. This psalm was a psalm of thanksgiving. The psalmist knew that Yahweh God, the name of God is Yahweh, He deserved to be thanked for hundreds of years, even before Jesus had come. God had shown His covenant faithfulness to Israel for centuries, despite their continual rebellion against Him. They were stubborn and rebellious people, but God had upheld them. He had been gracious to them. And the psalmist reflects the hearts of believing Jewish people who knew God was worthy of praise and thanks. How much more, beloved, should this psalm come alive in our heart as we reflect on all that God has done through Christ Jesus our Lord, as we think on the goodness of God in the new covenant, which we are enjoying today. Psalm 100 at the end of probably a a, a group of psalms from Psalm 95 to 100. It's called the Old 100th by Spurgeon. As it has been called over the years, it serves as like a bookend for Psalm 95 to 100. It was probably, if you look at 95, it's very much like Psalm 100. Psalm 100 being a little shorter. It was probably a call to worship for Israel before they were exiled away. Because the temple appears to be alluded to in verse 4. The psalm breaks down into two parts. It's pretty simple. First, there's a call to praise with joy. Because God is the maker and shepherd of the people. In verses 1 to 3. And then there's a call to give thanks. Because God is good and faithful. In verses 4 and 5. The psalmist exhorts the people to worship the Lord with gladness. Because God made them and sustains them. Then he exhorts the people to enter the courts with thanksgiving. Because God is good and faithful to his people. So let's examine this psalm so that we will praise and thank the Lord. Let's look first. A call to praise our maker and sustainer. Look at verses 1 through 3. Read along with me. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Both of these sections, the first call and the second call, have both imperatives and then the reason for obeying the imperatives. There's in this one, there's four reason, or four imperatives found in this first section. And then the reason is given in that last section, in that last verse, verse 3. Look at the exhortations. You see them, they jump off the page to you. Look at them real closely. Shout joyfully to the Lord. There's one. Serve the Lord with gladness. There's two. Come before Him with joyful singing. There's three. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. There's four. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty easy to see. It jumps off the page, doesn't it? It's funny. Again, a call to worship is not something that you have to... It doesn't take a lot of thinking. Here it is. Just do it. Go out and worship God and thank Him and praise Him for all that He has done. All four of these imperatives are a call to worship and praise Yahweh. Notice it states, Shout joyfully to the Lord. And it's in capital letters, little caps. Lord, that's his name in the Hebrew, Yahweh. So shout joyfully to Yahweh, all the earth. And every time it does that, verse 3, it repeats that idea. 2, it repeats that idea. That's his name. That's God's name. Most likely alluding back to Exodus chapter 3, where God said, I am who I am. And his name became known as Yahweh. The self-existent God. That's His name. Shout joyfully to Yahweh, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with gladness. Know that Yahweh Himself is God. This is what we're supposed to do. The exhortations include the attitudes and the emotions that should accompany this praise. For example, we see the worship should include joy. This isn't that fake joy that a lot of people put on or a fake smile or a fake happiness. It's not that 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 joy that you kind of drum up and you put a smile on your face because you know you're seeing somebody and you might not feel it be feeling really good, but you're just gonna kind of put a smile on anyway. That's not what we're talking about here. This is child joyfully with genuine joy. Biblical joy. The psalmist also says serve the Lord with gladness again this service is probably associated with serving worship in the in in the temple area and all that's involved there it obviously however applies to all service events even outside of the worship service right this would include all of our activities beloved listen Everything we do is an opportunity to worship and serve the Lord with gladness. It's at our work. It's at our play. It's when we rest. It's even in our study. We are praising God. We're serving Him in whatever we do. Having this correct correct attitude in our service is vital. This is an opportunity to worship God. Now listen, if you stop on Thanksgiving and you... You take 45 minutes or so to pray. I know that's a long time, but 45 minutes to pray and thank the Lord. Is that enough? No. The rest of the day is also doing that, right? We're serving Him, whether it's helping out our wives clean the dishes afterwards, men. We can serve with gladness. another opportunity to show this praise and thanks to God. Beloved, this is what it's all about. Worship is not just doing things for God. Worship is serving God with a God-honoring attitude also. In this case, the psalmist calls for gladness in our service to God. I think often we do so-called good deeds while our hearts grumble and complain within us, right? We think to ourselves, why me? Why do I have to do this? Isn't there someone else that could do this? Why do I have to carry the weight all the time of all these acts of service? Why doesn't anyone recognize my hard work? Have you thought those thoughts before? Oh, beloved, if you have those kind of thoughts going on as you're doing your service, you're not serving the Lord with gladness. You're probably grumbling and complaining. And somebody walks up and says, how are you doing? You might be able to plaster that smile on a couple times. But the reality is is that your heart's being exposed. You're being exposed to God. God knows. We need to serve with what? Gladness. Serve with gladness. God's word calls us to worship and serve with gladness. This happens when God is our primary reason for service. That's important. When he is our lone audience... He's who we're doing it for. You get me? Listen closely. This is so important. It goes to everything in every act of service, whether it's cleaning the church, cleaning the bathrooms, taking care of kids in the back, teaching a Sunday school, arranging the chairs, whatever it may be, giving, all those things. We should do it with what? Gladness. I'm going to say something that is never said Ever said when people are trying to purchase a church. We don't want your money unless you can do it with gladness. Do you understand? If you can't do it with joy, don't give. If you can't do it in worship of God, it's all right. Keep it. Go to the Lord, however, and ask him to give with gladness. We all need to have this kind of attitude. We need to serve with gladness. you find yourself at work serving with gladness or, oh, no, another day? But, beloved, I think this is one of the very first and more, more important lessons, or one of the most important lessons I learned when I first became a believer. And I, had a, I worked in a secular job. The job can be very difficult. But God called me to serve with gladness, even in my job, in my role. This was my opportunity to worship. If we serve to make much of us, listen, gladness will often be far from us. Or we'll be real good at being fake. Why is this? Because at the end of the day, we know we aren't worthy to be exalted like God. I want you to listen. This is very important. How can he say, serve with gladness? Well, he can say, serve the Lord with gladness, because the Lord is worthy of being served with gladness. If we're doing everything for us, if we're doing it to exalt ourself, down deep in our soul, we know we're robbing from God. We're robbing glory that He deserves that we can have, and we're never going to do it with genuine gladness, genuine joy. Do you hear me, beloved? This is so important. We need to serve God with gladness, or we will work to exalt ourselves with inner misery. Notice also the call to worship is an address to even outside the Israel. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. (laughs) He wants everyone. And this is very interesting because this is before Christ had come, right? Before the barrier wall had come down. And they're telling Israel, Shout joyfully to the Lord, implying what? You're supposed to be a light to the world through your worship. Oh, beloved. This is so very important. Get it. Hear me. Our worship is evangelism to the world. As we acknowledge the glory of Christ, the world goes, i got to know who this is you're talking about, who you're shouting joyfully about. Our worship is evangelism. All of us who know the glory of God are worship leaders to the world. (laughs) Did you hear me? We're supposed to be calling people. We're supposed to be calling them to exalt the king that died for us and rose from the dead and that is reigning in heaven. Our lives are about him now. And this is exactly what Peter says. Look with me over at First Peter. First Peter. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all your people. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it states, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Boy, doesn't that sound just like previous? In our Psalm one hundred one to 3? Sounds like it. We are God's people, God's chosen people, so that we may proclaim proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, do you see it? Look. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. This is what we're now doing. We're fulfilling this role. This role of what? Worship leaders. We're worship leaders. We praise God for who He is and what He's done. And we know they knew who God was, but how much more do we know God? How much more we saw the cross. We know the cross from John 19, right? We have these glorious truths of what Christ did and what it cost Him the incarnation, all those glorious truths about Christ should just jump out of our lives. And they should jump out of our mouths. We should be exalting Christ all the time. We have reason to praise God, don't we? What a good God we serve. Again, you see it in verse 3 here. Know that the Lord Himself is God It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. What do we have? We have Yahweh is God. He is Elohim. He's the Creator God, is what that title often refers to. He is the one who made us. He's the one that gives us life, He's the one that gives us breath, He's the one that sustains us. He's our shepherd, He's our provider. He is God, and He is good, and we need to worship Him, don't we? Come on, beloved, get with me. Let's worship. Let's praise Him. You know, this is what Israel was told before in Isaiah chapter 40. Look at Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40, it states, I don't have it, so you're going to have to look at it. Isaiah 40, verse 9, you can do it. That's a Bible. You just flip over to Isaiah. You'll be okay. You can make it. If not, you can listen along. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 9. PowerPoint's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Everybody learns how to read a screen instead of looking at, look things up in their Bibles until your pastor forgets to put it up there so it work out good. Here we go. Isaiah 40, verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do not fear, says the cities of Judah. Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. Like a shepherd, He will tend His flock. In His arm, He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Oh, beloved, what is this? This is beautiful. Beautiful. Israel was exhorted to worship God because of he cares for his sheep. Probably looking forward to the future, when it will be that final time, when God will reign and he will come back, as we mentioned in Second Peter. How much more, though, beloved, than us, than Israel, should we proclaim the glories of God, the good shepherd who loves and cares for us, who is our good shepherd? Look over at John chapter 10. Another one. John chapter 10. We read this in our devotional readings a couple weeks back in John chapter 10. By the way, if you doubt whether Jesus is God, this verse should scream to you. Very, very clear. Jesus is Yahweh, He is God. John chapter 10, verse 14. Who was the shepherd of Israel? Answer, God, Yahweh. For Jesus to stand up and say these words would have been nothing short of blasphemous unless he was God. John 10, 14 to 18. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. His authority. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father... This is him saying what? I'm God. That's Jesus saying that. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd that Israel had known about through Psalm 23, Psalm 100, Psalm 95, Isaiah 40. He is the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is that good shepherd. But then the words that are just shocking to the world. I know my own and... My own know own, me. I lay down my life for the sheep. Truly amazing. Jesus, the good shepherd, the God-man, laid down his life for us. That one doctrine, that one truth, should is enough to make us thank God forever, isn't it? That one thing, that one truth, Christ Jesus came into the world to die for me. That's enough. In these verses here, though, we see an allusion to us, Gentiles. Most of us in the room are mostly Gentile. He has sheep that are not of that other fold. That's us. He's talking about us. He came for us too. And he is our shepherd. And we worship him just like Psalm 100 tells us to do. I I, I remember remember, you all know sports and stuff, and when everybody gets ready to go into a game, they just kind of get everybody psyched up. And Well, I wasn't in sports because I was real small, but I was in the band. And I like being in the band. (laughs) We do the same thing. Before we went into a competition, we'd all get in there and everybody would get together and we'd start, yeah, now we're going to do this. We're going to do really good. And everybody be, come on, let's do this. Everybody get into it. Let's go. Here we go. And we'd be screaming and yelling, yeah, let's go. We're going to do this great. We're going to do perfect. It's going to be amazing. And then we'd go out there and do okay. But I feel a little bit like how I was back my senior year as a band leader. And I was working with the group. I'm sitting up here and I'm thinking, oh, these people are hot and they're tired. Some of them are, didn't get enough sleep last night and they're falling off to sleep. I'm like, come on, shout to the Lord, come with me. Let's do it. He's worthy, beloved. He's worthy. This is the time when you can actually say amen. Okay? I actually want it. Give it to me. Because He's worthy of it. And I'm, it's nothing bad for me to call you for that. Your heart needs it. Where are you most satisfied? When you're satisfied with God. God. And you're so satisfied with God that all you want to do is what? Exalt Him. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all you people. Our God is a saving God that came into the world to die for sinners like me and you. We have reason to praise Him, don't we? Second, I want you to notice a a call to give thanks. A call to give thanks. It was there. Do you see that? A call to give thanks to our good and faithful God. Psalm 104 to 5 Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Somebody turn me down. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. This exhortation is a call. To be thankful, to give thanks to God for who He is. Israel was implored to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Probably again a reference to the temple. These are, there's three more commands here. Enter with thanksgiving, give thanks, bless His name. There's the commands. Bless His, bless His name, who He is. Praise Him. Like in the previous section, coming into the presence of God is highlighted here. This time, come with grateful hearts is emphasized. Thankful hearts. Friends, One, ones who have experienced God's goodness should be thankful. We should be grateful. Thank you, Lord, is something we all should be saying in our prayers all the time. Gratitude should be on our lips all the time. We should always be saying, thank you God, thank you for this and thank you for that. And reflecting back on what Christ has done, thanks. We see this throughout the New Testament. I would argue that one of the main characteristics of a believer is a thankful heart. Somebody that goes from being unthankful, ungrateful, to somebody that becomes all about grace and thankfulness to God gratitude to god as we see here the character of god is given as the reason for giving thanks god is described as good this is much more than the turkey is going to be good it's like comparing you know mount everest to an anthill god is really good God is amazing. God can be referenced to... This good can be referenced to moral character or abstract goodness such as beauty or the overall quality of something in the Bible. Like something is valuable or worthy. And I think in this context, it probably is a combination of all of that. God is good. He's morally valuable. He is good. He is beautiful. He's worthy. God is worthy of praise, isn't he? So we thank him. He is good. He's valuable. So what do we do? We thank him. We praise him. He is good. He's beyond anything this world has to offer. Right? He is good. So we thank him. It's beyond anything our imagination can come up with. He is so good. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanks. Because he's spotless, righteous, beautiful, holy, and good. His character is developed more in this. In the second part of verse 5, look at it. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness is to all generations. I think those are... Parallel and they have a concept, they kind of pick up on each other and they help each other, develop each other, the two concepts of loving kindness. Some of you have heard this Hebrew word for loving kindness before, Hesed. It's like the definition of I like the definition loyal love. God is loyal in his love forever. He's loyal in his love, it's everlasting. It's obviously closely related to faithfulness, isn't it? God is loyal in His love forever, ever. God is faithful to generation after generation of His people. You know, it's interesting. Psalm 100 was written probably thousands of years ago. But God's faithfulness is still happening today, isn't it? And generation after generation after generation after generation, God has shown Himself to be faithful, hasn't He? And He's faithful to us today, isn't He? And all of us in the room say thank you for that, right? We praise you for that. He's a good God. And He's worthy of our praise. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is sacrificially devoted to us. He is reliable. He's dependable. He's consistent. He's rock solid. In his commitment to us. Aren't those truths we need to meditate on more? We need to think on these truths more. I know, beloved, I know you live in the same world. I do. I know you do. And I know you're hurting. Many of you are hurting. You've got things going on in your life. I just want to encourage you. Don't look at the circumstances as much as you look at God. Keep your eyes on Him. He's the one that's faithful and trustworthy. People will let you down. And everybody says, but God will never let you down. He's loyal in His love. He's faithful. Spouses, children, family members, brothers and sisters, and the Lord even will let you down People in authority over you will let you down. Even the elders, just being honest, we're going to let you down. We're not perfect. We are just people. But God is faithful. He's trustworthy. He's loyal in his love towards us. As J.C. Ryle stated, the best of men are men at best. But God is different. God is always good. (laughs) You know, sometimes I've heard that God is good, and then the people say all the time, all the time, God is good. That's something that we we should actually believe (laughs) and think on and meditate on and apply because he is good all the time. God is always good. His loyal love is forever. His faithfulness is to generation after generation. This is why it just continues on in 1 Thessalonians. Look, 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To have an attitude of thankfulness all the time. No matter what your circumstances are to have a thankful heart. I thought, there's so many. I, I challenge you. You got two weeks, right? Here's your challenge. Y'all can write this down. Here's your challenge, Grace. Here's your, here's your challenge. You got roughly two weeks. Get out of Concordance and look up thankfulness or thanksgiving or thanks. Look up all the New Testament. Just start with that. Write them down. <laughs> Meditate on these truths. And by the time Thanksgiving happens, you have all your family members that come in that might not know, might not know the Lord. These truths will just come off your lips. You will truly be an evangelist to your family members that don't thank God. That's what we want to do, right? Shout joyfully to the Lord, all you people. He's worthy of our thanks. What is an evidence? Of the Spirit-controlled life being filled with the Spirit, as Ephesians 5.18? No, Paul doesn't say speaking in tongues. (laughs) He says what? Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Here's one of the evidences. Thankfulness to God. Beloved, the more I think on this, what do our prayers look like? I think they need to be reversed somewhat. I think often we go and we say, God, please, I need this, and I need this, and I want that. Will you fix this? Will you give me this? When it should start with, God, thank you for that. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for the church. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the Word. Oh, we need to stay on our our knees more. Yes. In gratitude to God because He has done so much for us and He is good. So, what are you thankful for? In what ways has God shown His loyal love to you? How has God been faithful to you? I want to take a second or two. Can you give me a mic? Can you give me a mic? I'll take a second too and ask a couple of the guys to. I'm gonna put them on the spot a little bit. What are you thankful for? I want you to be thinking while these guys are saying what they're thankful for. Okay. <laughs> Mark, why don't you stand up and tell us what you're thankful for, brother? Thankful for the Lord. Not just saying that. I, I'm truly thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for He's the start of everything. Thankful for my wife. Thankful for my children. Thankful for my grandchildren as well. So much to be thankful for. Amen. Give it to Jimmy. I'll always start
1: off with saying I'm so thankful for just for being saved. because I always think back to when we were, when I wasn't saved hmm. and how I was walking in darkness hmm. and how I should have went to hell. But because of the grace of God, that is my number one thanks. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for my wife. Uh, I think she's here. Uh, she, you know, but I'm working grateful in the back room <laughs> for her because I was the guy who said I ain't getting married. I ain't getting mm-hmm. married. To nobody. I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to live till I get to be about 45, 50, then I get married. You know, and I was 20 when I got married. (laughs) You know, but I'm so grateful for that, you know, because um, I'm grateful because I was on a fast track collision course. But Roz and I met, we got married so young. And so I'm so grateful and so thankful for my my kids, uh, you know, uh, all seven of them. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, I'm grateful. All the challenges that we face, I'm grateful by the grace of God. I'm very thankful to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. Give it to Bob.
2: Um, I'm going to be um, a little bit weird here because I'm, I'm really thankful for uh, suffering. Mm. And uh, suffering has taught me a lot um, just over the years that it's uh, God's way of getting our attention. And causing repentance, Mm. because we are, we are in love with this world. Uh, You know, I'm fighting that every day. So um, the reason I'm crying is these are, you know, tears of joy, (laughs) because we have a faithful God, who is interested in our well-being. He will discipline us because He loves us. So there are promises in His Word that He will cause us to persevere. Yeah. <coughs> Our Bible study has been uh, studying um, James last year, and uh, it says, "Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials." So I'm smiling and crying at the same time. <coughs> it's really—I I feel a little schizophrenic here, you know. <laughs> but the joy comes from the Holy Spirit within, and my flesh is crying because of the pain. The pain—it's painful. But there's eternal joy in suffering for Christ, suffering in his name, suffering maybe because of illness, suffering because you have to come here and be crowded in this church. <laughs> you know, But God is good, and
0: he is faithful. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Wow, what a – I'm so thankful for these men. Those, by the way, are three of your elders. Where's Stephen? Where are you at, Stephen? Oh, he's in overflow. True – servant right there uh, serving with gladness beloved we have so many reasons to thank god don't we i want you to take an inventory of all that you're thankful for over the next couple of weeks and let's worship him okay let's pray father we thank you for this day we thank you for christ jesus our lord we thank you for bringing us to this place We pray, Lord, that you will help us to be thankful in everything. As Bob mentioned, even in suffering, that we will hold on to you, we will look to you, we will trust you, and we will shout joyfully to you. Help us, Lord, to be worship leaders for the world, pointing people to you, exalting you as you deserve. We pray this. In the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.